0: I'm David it's Riverdale season 5 episode 9 chapter 85 destroyer after the Bulldogs lose several football games Archie and Veronica come up with a plan to boost school spirit okay I
1: don't I don't really know where we're headed but you know it's 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 television
0: I guess right it's just <laughs> this I mean, we're, we're back in high school again So in high school. I mean, it's just the same bullshit over and over again. I mean, Archie and Veronica are doing the same shit they did before. Actually, it's almost worse because Veronica, there's no change between her now and her in high school. Archie, there actually is a little bit because he would make these speeches in high school and it would come off so cheesy. But now he's the coach. So it actually doesn't feel as cheesy. So it actually is like, oh, you've grown into your personality a little bit. (laughs) And there's just like that that little sprinkling of Fred there, so it's so it's so it almost makes sense. I don't get that vibe quite as much, but then you put the two of them together, and they have no chemistry at all. Plus, you have a whole bughead thing going. Well, but then we get like our first real bughead scene, and it's really interesting because this is not a dynamic we've ever had between these two.
1: They very much. And I have to believe this was intentional. Pulled a Scully Mulder moment there. A little bit. And if that's the dynamic they want to go for with those two, oh, fuck yeah.
0: Just please don't put them back together again. Please please don't. If there's a random, like like I said, I was fine with Archie and Betty not being together. I mean, I want them to get back together later because they are truly in game. Because they are much better suited for each other than Archie and Veronica. (laughs) But, like, I also understand, like, there's (sighs) Archie and Veronica, I feel like they need to get married so they can get divorced. They can just, like, end it so it can be truly over. (laughs) Like, they're those people that, you know, they just get they break up and get back together. Like, they need to get married so they can get divorced so that they know it doesn't work.
1: Yeah, that's fair. It's
0: just like that's that's their vibe. Betty and Archie, yeah, they're very different people. And that's very true. But they just make each other better people. And that's why they're that's why they're destined to be together in my mind. In this world. <laughs> and in a similar way, Jughead and Betty are good fuel for each other's brains. Oh yeah. Betty's gonna help Jughead with his writing fuel. Jughead's gonna help Betty with her mystery. That's what they're good for. Other than that, they do not need to be in a relationship. But as I was what I'm coming around to is like, if they hook up once or twice, fine, whatever. Scratch the itch and move on. Whatever i will say i just want to say it up front because it's going to come up later the biggest issue i have with this episode is that they did not use content warnings they never
1: have and
0: oh my god um it's just completely irresponsible for a network television show to be showing um what is essentially a a hate crime Uh
1: uh-huh no it is a hate crime
0: a depiction of a hate crime and it's not okay without without the slate and the warning that hey this is going that something's going to get depicted at some point in this episode and you just fair warning. Uh, it's unacceptable. It's irresponsible to the community that you say you love and support.
1: And once again, was not necessary to the story. Did not need that moment to pay off the moment we really liked this episode.
0: You didn't You really didn't. You could have gotten a similar effect with like a single punch, like a single punch and you no punches him in the face once and leaves. That's all. You could have had just that one and done and it still would have been bad, but it wouldn't have been heightened to the level of, oh, this is a legit hate crime at this point.
1: Well, for me, it just comes to there are other ways to escalate the tension where Tom Keller is worried maybe kevin doesn't get physically assaulted maybe he hits on this guy and this guy
0: complains doesn't matter either way it was handled badly does it it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that it was handled (laughs) poorly and regardless content warnings need to be used yeah it just adds to my
1: anger about their treatment of kevin
0: (sighs) yes though i i mean i got i i totally called it in my desire for the scene that we got with kevin's dad so i'm very i'm very happy and we found out about mom a little bit she's a little awful <laughs> but she's not awful she had a bad mo she had a bad parenting moment oh uh-huh. so we start this episode with jughead listening to some radios and some frequencies and some alien crap and it looks like he's in the andrew's garage that wouldn't make sense uh because that window doesn't make sense for in the house and he's definitely not in like the attic, so it makes sense for him to be in the garage. That's what it looks like. So I'm going to go over to the Cooper house, and we see Betty coming down the stairs. She's like, hey, Mom, let's go. Let's go to the game. And we see that Alice has been taking some pills, and she's been drinking some wine, and she is so distraught. She's clearly depressed, and we find out through their conversation that they're waiting to get the blood results from the FBI. From the phone booth, so that's that's what we're waiting on, uh, and then we cut over to a football game, and the bulldogs lose they lose bad. they lose bad. I mean, they don't even score. they They are not scoring at all. And there's no one even in the stands. Like the vixens are standing like on the sidelines, bored as hell. Cheryl is being insufferable. One of the vixens complains about, you know, hey, we could be using this time to practice. And Cheryl's like, "I couldn't agree more. They're not wrong. They're not. But here's the thing. I have been to games, especially when it's super far away and there's really not a lot of people there. And you see the cheerleaders are practicing. They use the games as practice. This is just bad coaching. It's Cheryl Blossom. It's Cheryl Blossom. We cut to the locker room and we find out that they were playing the Baxter High Ravens, which is a nice little sabrina call <laughs> and you know archie's trying to like motivate them and veronica is just like you know coach andrew's is great blah 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 but you know uh what do i have to do to motivate you how about ten thousand to the first scorer holy shit which is just like okay you know lady money bags like this is the other issue i have with veronica she's literally all she does is spend money on high schoolers. And, like, this is too much. Like, why is it $10,000? Like, it doesn't... That doesn't do anything. Like, it's just the the excessiveness <laughs> is is really, like, awful. It just is. Because, like, are you going to keep doing this? It's just bad. And so... Um, as their conversation winds down, Archie notices a player who's just kind of super frustrated. And so Archie goes up to him and just like, hey, is everything okay? And the player says, you know, it just it just sucks to lose. Yep. Just fair. And we find out this player's name is Derek. And Archie tells him, like, hey, you were the best on the field tonight. Like you were great. So we cut to a little bit later. Archie and Veronica are talking in the locker room, and Veronica's like, "You know what else do we do? Do we push them more?" And Archie's like, "No, I'm running them ragged. We can't do that." Uh huh. She's like, "Okay, well, we just got to find a way to to keep them motivated." And Archie's like, uh, "How? Like the town was supposed to rally behind them. No one even shows up to our games." And Veronica's like, "I'll get the town coming, but you you just worry about the kids." And then Archie's like, "What about coaches? Coaches need motivation too." <laughs> Which is a little cute, but also gross. I was just, I I went, ew, Yeah, barf. We cut to Jughead on the phone with his agent, Sam. And he's asking him to pitch this new version of his story. And Sam's like, what, you're, you're doing aliens now? He goes, well, yeah, kind of. But it's about like this town's collective trauma. But yeah, also aliens. And He's like, please pitch it to them. And Sam's like, okay.
1: I don't hate that as the idea behind a novel. It's very in cold blood of him.
0: It is. I mean, that's a really good spin on the fact that it is about aliens, but he's definitely keeping the whole alien angle secret because he knows the second he says aliens, people are just like, I don't want to talk to you anymore.
1: It's (laughs) it's a very like where you start off with this really wild premise. And then as you dig in, you find out it goes way deeper.
0: Well, and it's also because Jughead clearly has something he needs to deal with that uh, he hasn't yet. (laughs) We cut on over to Pops and Veronica is there asking Tabitha if she will host a pancake breakfast for the Bulldogs. Tabitha's like, yeah, let's do this. And then she asks her, what about you being the official sponsor of the Bulldogs? And Tabitha thinks about it for a second. She goes, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll get the pancake mix and the syrup. Veronica says, no, don't order the syrup. I have a special supplier for that. <laughs> and like, this is, the, this is the Veronica I do like like this is the part of it where it makes sense veronica being a businesswoman and uh this helps her tie a connection to tabitha and the whole pops of it all i like this this is her forming uh, those connections
1: just stop throwing money at high schoolers
0: well i'm fine with her throwing money at them but ten thousand dollars is ridiculous
1: <laughs> in no world is it okay to pay a high schooler ten thousand dollars for some type of athletics
0: it well, there's that, but it's just like it the ex- it's again it speaks to the excessiveness. If she had said five hundred or a thousand dollars, I would have been like, "That's still a lot of money, but that's okay, okay." Like you're trying to make a big deal out of it, but ten thousand dollars, where do you go from there? <laughs> like exactly. That, I mean, that's just where we're at. So then we cut to Cheryl saying, "No, she is not going to part with any of her uh, maple syrup," and also. The Vixens will no longer be cheering for the Bad News Bulldogs.
1: There's an element here where if it wasn't Cheryl, I don't blame them. I don't. Although I agree with you in the fact of cheerleaders cheerlead, period.
0: Yeah. And, and that's another statement that she makes. Like, we're cheerleaders. We're not boosters. And it's like, um, those things go hand in hand. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. You could be looking... At those those games as previews to your bigger performances and your practices with an audience but you're not you're just being mad about the fact that your warm-up you look at the football team as the warm-up to your performance and you don't like what they're doing
1: also you too are boosters you you are a booster of the school
0: that's exactly how this all works. You're one
1: of the primary investors.
0: Well, and the thing is, like, cheerleaders could be cheering for any sport. I mean, cheerleading is a sport. Yes. But part of the sport is to cheer on other people. They could be cheering for the fucking chess team. I don't care.
1: You know, now I'm mad at this scene because it makes no logical fucking sense. It doesn't. It God d- damn it. it.
0: It really doesn't. They tricked me they did and they suck so archie's just like super frustrated he goes fine i'll do it myself jesus which i i, I like this level of frustration with archie because again this is he's he's an adult now
1: also it, it is but it's also so melodramatic
0: it is but he's talking to cheryl so <laughs> it's, it's, it's fair so he goes to the front office he's like miss bell turn this on and it's the loudspeaker and he's just like, "Hey, Riverdale High. I don't know if you know this, but some of your fellow students are playing football, busting their ass, and so busting their asses. It's really like it th- this is where he acted like a high schooler a little bit in his in his speech. Um, but he tells everyone to come to the pancake breakfast because it's free, and then come to the games. You might get something out of it.
1: I love the Jughead's reaction." comes at free
0: pancake breakfast. It's free pancake breakfast. But I like, ooh. Well there's that, but it's also like, oh, I might have to work that. That too. <laughs> there's there's that element of it too. <laughs> um, so while he's doing that, Veronica's like, okay, Cheryl, I understand, but just one more game. One more game. And Cheryl's like, fine, I'll even give them something they'll want to see. I'll come out of retirement
1: barf. No, you are a grown fucking woman. Stop this.
0: I have been to school events where the coach performs as well. And that's fun. You see the coach do a little bit of something. It's fun to see your dance teacher also dance because we don't always get to do that. Like the school doesn't always get to see the teacher, the dance teacher dance. That can be fun, but it's in tiny little snippets. This is not that. (laughs) That's not what this is. Also, you do one thing at this school. Yeah. One single thing. Yeah. Why is she not also the art teacher? That's that's where I'm like. That's a great question. You sit in the lounge and scowl all day. <laughs> but after she says that, Kevin comes in and gives her the dirtiest look. And she goes, oh, but I have one thing I have to fix first. <laughs> So we come on over to English class, and uh, it's the end of class. Jack is telling everybody, hey, turn in your assignments. And then he gets this assignment turned in to him by this one student who's super nervous. And it's got a demon drawn on it, and the name is Lerman Logan. (laughs) Logan Lerman is the name of the actor who played Percy Jackson. (laughs) Now,
1: it, it has the demon, but it should be noted that that demon also looks a whole hell of a lot like the descriptions we've heard of the Mothman.
0: A little bit of the, the Mothman.
1: Red eyes, wings, all that shit.
0: So this is uh, a little bit uh, intrigue. Also, I want to point out here and for the rest of the episode on Jughead's jacket are the pins that used to be on his beanie. The little tab and the dot. Those used to be on his beanie that went into the time capsule. Those are now on his jacket. And when he changes jacket, he changes those pins.
1: You and your costume equalize.
0: I, 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 I didn't notice it the first time I watched it. When I watched it the second time, I was like, wait a minute. What? And then they kept changing him. So I was like, I really appreciate that, Jughead. Either he has several or he's moving them. I vote that he's moving them. <laughs> We cut on over to Betty as she's in auto shop and she gets a phone call from Glenn Scott. She answers and the blood is AB, which is very rare. And it's a match for Polly. So it's very likely that Polly's dead. And Glenn is all like, I'm very sorry, Betty. And Betty's like, no, you're not. If you cared, you would have done something to help. Screw you, Glenn. Riverdale. Uh oh. Uh oh.
1: Betty, Betty, this whole episode is uh oh spaghettios. Like for fucking real.
0: Betty, this is like truly Betty becoming unhinged. It's not good. No, and I. This is not dark, Betty. This is something very different, and we'll talk about it when we get there. Ah. Mm -hmm. maybe i I have a theory i don't know if
1: i agree with your theory
0: um it's not like full-fledged theory but it's uh it's tangential it's tangential so we're coming over to waldo's office and jughead's in there and he's asking him about lerman's story wants to know a little bit more about him and waldo says you know he's he's a good student he's got average grades if not a little bit accident prone and jughead's like what yeah, he's had a black eye. He broke an arm. He was on crutches for a while. And is like, wait, have you ever talked to the parents? He goes, yeah, I, I vetted them. They're fine. He's like, you know, sometimes a story's just a story. <laughs> he gives Weatherby the look of like, are you fucking kidding me right
1: now? And Waldo's like, I, I get it. I get how it sounds. I do. But I promise you.
0: Yeah. And I will say the way this this story is total bullshit, too. Like there's there's so much gaslighting in this story as well that I'm so annoyed. Yeah, this is ridiculous. <sighs> but okay, so like Jughead did the right thing. He got the story, raises some red flags. Let me t- ask the principal what he knows about this student. This is a not
1: awful approach.
0: No, this is this is a good way to start. I don't know this kid very well. What do you know about this kid?
1: And also, this is raising big red flags, but for reasons that I don't really need to talk about right this second. No.
0: So we come on over to the Pops breakfast and, you know, Cheryl brings the syrup and uh, Archie is talking to Derek and his mom and he's talking about how great he is. And she is being like, OK, but what can Bulldog football do for my son? Yep. Because her big deal is he's great. This could be his ticket out. He needs a scholarship. Uh huh. And he can't do that on the Bulldogs. So while that's happening, Reggie shows up. Fucking Reggie. And he goes and sits down. And so Veronica comes and gets Archie and they sit down with him. And basically Reggie is there as the representative of the high school football league to get them to resign because they're embarrassing the league by playing so badly. You guys uh, suck. You suck. <laughs> And they tell him to get lost and he's just like, you know, winning isn't everything. He's like, you keep telling yourself that. And as he's leaving, he just points to each kid. Loser, 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 loser. <laughs> Which is the most high school Reggie thing ever. But it's so good I, for his character. I, I I I'm here. I'm like, it's wrong, but I love it. <laughs> oh
1: man. Reggie's so fucking good. Mm. I love Charles Melton. Uh, I want so much more.
0: He's he's doing a great he's doing a great job. We cut on over to Kevin and Tom. They're packing up Kevin's stuff from the apartment. And Tom's like, hey, you know, you, you want to talk about it? And Kevin's like, oh, I don't know, maybe. And the other day you were getting married, having a kid, and, and now we're moving you out. And Kevin's like, you know, maybe maybe I just don't deserve a family. And Tom's like, you don't seriously believe that, do you? That, that you don't deserve to be happy? And Kevin's like, you know, maybe I don't want to talk about it. And Tom is just like, okay, okay, let's, let's him have his space and just continues packing up a shit. <laughs> like, I was just like, okay. Like, I was like, I'm liking where this is going. I like what's happening here. Feelings. Feelings. So much feelings. Veronica goes and has a daddy moment with uh, Hiram. She's like, I can't believe you did this, that you would send your goons, your legion of doom, daddy. And he goes, well, what I do know about the Bulldogs is that they're garbage. All I know is they're garbage. I'm sorry, but Mark Consuelos was the best in this episode. Okay. This is the best he has ever been, Doritos moment aside.
1: <laughs> Look, I know that we have complained about the whole daddykins thing. Sure. There is a level now with him being this mustache twirling yeah. where I've almost come around on it because that's what makes it even more delicious.
0: No, no. no. I love him. He's fine. Her character sucks. Uh,
1: yes. And, I, and, I, and again, I always want to be careful. It's not Cammy that I've got a problem No, no,
0: with. no, no, no. It's not her. It's not the actress. It's the character. It's yeah. the writing of the character. The only time I'm going to punch down on her is the singing that gets assigned to her. Yes. Oh, my God. Because we have seen her on this show sing beautifully and so well. But they keep giving her songs she can't sing. <laughs> and. She's had fabulous growth because in the season one, she could not act her way out of a paper bag. I don't say that about her anymore. No. Nope. She's grown so much. Okay. <gasps> but no, Mark Consuelos is his best because like, I just love that. What I know is that they're... Gro- like, he. Had, it was almost Cheryl-like in the way he delivered that line. It was fabulous. Just
1: wheels around, <laughs> sips his coffee and grins.
0: It is so cute. So yes. they they make a side bet that if... His stallions can keep the Bulldogs off the scoreboard completely. So they don't score at all. The Bulldogs will withdraw from the league voluntarily. But if they score even a point, he has to, he has to stop. Like they cannot be trying to force them out anymore. I will take that I will bet. take that bet. <laughs> great. So we go back to English class and Jughead goes to talk to Lerman. He says, hey, I really liked your story. It was great. It was interesting. You did a fabulous job. What inspired it? We're okay <laughs> here.
1: We're in safe territory. We're doing
0: good. Lerman gets a little bit nervous. He's like, um, I don't know, I guess just some dreams I had. And Drake is like, really? Dreams? Okay. So like some people think that these are actually traumas. And nope. like maybe cries for help. Oh, and God. Lerman gets a little bit nervous. And he does ask them, is this real? Yeah. And, which, okay, I, I don't like that Jughead said that these are actually traumas. I like that he said, this is great, what inspired it. And just being like, hey, is any of this actually real? But then adds that did someone hurt you? Yeah, Which is like, oh, dude. And it's just asking them, is any of this real? Is this, yeah, is, is a fair question.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and asking, is the story based on anything true? That's a way to lead in without making any
0: assumptions it's still a little tight ropey but like there's a level at which well that that's i don't we're not teachers and we're not therapists so we don't know what the exact line there is but it feels like is any of this true is feels like it could be a little vague did any of this actually happen to you i feel a little more direct yeah i don't know I don't know what the appropriate phrasing is supposed to be. I just know that we're like, hey, you know, some people think this could be Trump is like, very suggestive and leading. And I know that that's not right.
1: He completely oversteps his bounds as a teacher.
0: It, with that line of questioning. Asking no. The way he asked, yes. Uh, Lerman gets nervous and says, you know, I shouldn't I shouldn't have written it. And he gets up and leaves. <gasps> oh, Joker. so yeah, uh, we cut on over to Cheryl's house and Betty is there. Want to note, Cheryl is not wearing any lipstick. Also, this scene, really good for is Cheryl. It's actually, is a decent Cheryl moment. She's still horrible, but it's a decent moment. Yes. And Betty asks if learning what actually happened to Jason helped her. And Cheryl says it allowed her to grieve, which is fair. And Betty kind of lets her know what's going on with Polly. And she's just so worried that's going to break her mom. Yep. She's like, I don't know how she's going to handle it so they hug and it's a very sweet moment.
1: Betty Betty is so good at compartmentalizing, but she is so terrified for what'll happen to Alice.
0: Well, I mean, let's let's talk through what's happened to Alice. <laughs> Married to a serial killer. Yep. Had not one, but two sons who turned out to be psychopaths.
1: Uh-huh. One of whom was
0: fake. One of whom was definitely fake. Love of her life left. Daughter
1: one- has struggled.
0: Daughter who, yeah, who, sh- who struggled, who she sent away for a while because she was embarrassed.
1: Also, it was in a cult.
0: Uh, yeah, it was in a, well, it seems like she had just purposely just, I don't, we still never really got that clarified. But yeah, Polly was in a cult. So yeah, like there's just been a lot. <laughs> there's been a lot. So it's not great. And the last
1: thing Alice wanted was to lose another child. Like,
0: well, just anybody else. Yeah. How could she lose anybody else? So. This is not great. Oh. We cut on over to the Bulldog locker room and everyone's just kind of standing around. And Archie's like, come on, like, let's go. We should be out on the field. And they're like, no, what's the point? He's like, what's going on? Derek's gone. He transferred to Stonewall. And Archie's like, well, come on. We don't like we play for ourselves. like, Okay. And then we cut on over to Veronica and Archie in bed. And they're just talking about what's happening. And he's. He just says, you know, I I can't blame Derek. It's his best shot at college. Thank you. Which, Thank you, Archie. Love this. He's absolutely right. He's 100% right. He's just like he's disappointed cuz it sucks. It sucks for his team, <laughs> but he also is like this kid is amazing. Like I that kid is doing what's right for him. Yeah. Oh. I can't be mad at that kid. That's how every coach should be. That is the adult response. I am so happy that this is one of those moments where I'm like, yes, Archie is an adult, and this is where they keep reminding us that Archie has become an adult. I love Archie so they, goddamn much. Of all of them, they have done the best job with growing him up. Yep, the best. Oh, so good. Uh, so they talk about that a little bit, and Veronica, you know, has one of her best ideas that the Bulldogs just need a little bit of motivation, and i've just had one of my best ideas and this just feels pathetic
1: it always is i i wrote hope it doesn't backfire This <sighs> just it just feels pathetic because every, it it feels like almost every time she has one of these ideas something goes horribly wrong
0: it's just it always costs her a lot of money oh god and there's always a familial cost too like it's just whatever We cut back over to the Cooper house. Betty has come home and Alice is just stoic as can be on the couch. Betty says, hey, we know I heard from the FBI. They got the blood results back. And Alice kind of looks up a little bit hopeful and Betty's about to say it. She goes, it wasn't Polly's. It was O positive. And all of a sudden you can just see this relief wash over Alice's face. She's like, my daughter's still out there. She's still out there. Betty can't do it. Like Betty, Betty can't, she can't be the person to bring more bad news to her mom. Uh-huh. She just can't do it. She just can't do it. Because like on the one hand, it's like, oh no, this is going to end badly. But at the same time, I don't blame Betty. I can't.
1: No matter which decision she made then, I wouldn't be upset about
0: it. Like I, ju- I was just reminded of the thing Patton Oswald said about when his wife passed away. He's like, oh, you know, that's the worst day of your life is the day your wife passed away. He says, no, the worst day of my life is the day I had to tell my daughter. Yep. I was like, oh, that's so fucking dark. And yeah, that would be the worst thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nah. Ugh. Ugh. Horrible. Horrible. Ugh. I hate it. I hate it so much. So the next morning, Betty comes down and Alice has turned into Stepford Alice. <laughs> she's just, she's got her hair done, makeup on, she's all dressed and she's cooking and she is preparing to have her support group host there she's hosting and she tells buddy um i ordered a plate of cold cuts from pops can you go pick it up and buddy's just like yeah okay <laughs> like she just needed hope she needed hope yeah Ugh. so sad so we cut on over to waldo's office again and this time jughead walks in and lerman's parents are there and they are very very mad They are mad that Jughead talked to Lerman and didn't talk to them. Jughead, working in a school, is a mandatory reporter. Yeah. All of those teachers are mandatory reporters. And this is where I wish we had had Tony. I believe. I I, I haven't looked at the dates or any of that. I believe at this point Vanessa Morgan had gone on maternity leave. That's part of the reason she's not in this episode at all. Because she's a social worker. So she would have been able to advise on this very, very well. But this is just fucked up from a writing perspective. You get an idea that a child is being abused. It is not a good idea to talk to the parents who you think might be the perpetrators of said abuse. (laughs) No. No. So this is so stupid. So the parents can be frustrated, but also when we find out later what is actually going on with Lerman, this is when you reveal that, not later.
1: Well, that's very true.
0: That's also... I feel like Waldo knew, and the fact that you didn't tell that to Jughead, like, it's so fucked up. Well,
1: we, we know for a fact Waldo Weatherby. Bad principle.
0: Also, again, it's just the whole withholding of information made this situation way more complicated, and this is lazy writing. This is lazy fucking writing. Because drama later. No, it's just lazy
1: writing. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. They thought that they would heighten tension later, but instead... They just made a lazy, stupid point of view.
0: No, what it should have been is I had a student write this story and it made me concerned about their potential abuse that might be in the home. My responsibility is to talk to them about it before talking to their parents. Parents don't know anything about this story. Let them read the story. Oh, my goodness. He's talking about being uh, this is this is what's been going on with his sleepwalking. Like he's been sleepwalking. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And he wrote this story. Oh, my God. It must be happening again. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, my goodness. Oh blah, blah, blah.
1: Also, we reveal later, oh, I get why he wrote this now.
0: Yes.
1: And everybody comes to an understanding and agreement.
0: Exactly. It's so ridiculous.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. It's just no.
1: Hey, hey, just a reminder. Fuck this show.
0: Yeah. Well, and then they leave. And then Waldo says, you know, One more misstep and you're done at my school. And I was just like, what else has he done that's bad? He talked to a student because he was concerned about potential abuse. The parents found out and are mad. Like, Waldo should have been like, no. Like, this this is stupid. This is fucking stupid. Jughead did the exact right thing. Yeah. Like, he said bad words. He said he phrased things incorrectly, but he did the right thing. Huh. So, fuck you, Waldo. Then so we cut to Cheryl's house again. and and Kevin and Fangs are there. And Cheryl's like, "Okay, Tony may never forgive me for what happened, But I have to f- try to fix things with hashtag Kangs. <laughs> which like total fan service, but I'm okay with that.
1: I, I, I appreciate Cheryl trying to make some amends,
0: yeah. And so I you know, Fang says, "You know, Cheryl, uh, your games brought up deeper issues between Kevin and I." Which I I do appreciate that statement because it's true. Like, yep. it's not all Cheryl's fault, but she did play a role. Uh-huh. So fuck her. <laughs> um, and Kevin is just like, whatever. And Fang says, you know what? You've never been all in because you're ashamed of being gay. To which Cheryl makes the biggest what face. <laughs> and Kevin is very, I'm not ashamed of being gay. And fangs is just like you don't want to be with a real gay guy and kevin again says no that's not true and like you don't know everything and fangs is like we were gonna get married i want to know everything about you the good and the bad Uh which is just so sweet and i just feel like so poor fangs because he just wants to know what's wrong he just wants to know what's wrong with Kevin. This is his best friend, the man he loves, and he knows he's self-destructing. He knows things knows he did nothing wrong. Yeah. And that Kevin's is self-destructing. He knows that. I also so like we've guessed that Kevin there's shame involved with what's going on with Kevin.
1: Oh, yes.
0: We've 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 been calling that out for a while. But I love that it was another gay man saying that to kevin i feel like that was really important narratively yeah that's that's really important
1: and also i I will say in the in the phrasing of that fangs doesn't say doesn't try to pin that on him necessarily because he also says it's like it might be me or it might be that and and where he's really coming from is like i don't know what's going on
0: yeah he's like you cruise in the woods because you're ashamed of being gay i want to know the good and the bad just tell me just explain it to me because he loves him. And also, he didn't have a problem with the cruising. No. It's just, but clearly you have a problem with it. Kevin, you have an issue with it. So we need to talk about that. Which I, I love that. So like, ugh, so sweet. Like, yes, they have, like, even though, like, they're currently, like, broken up, like, shit ain't great. They have the healthiest relationship of all these people.
1: And I have no doubt they're they're getting
0: back together. <sighs> they have to. They have to. Yeah. Um, It's going to be our wonderful big gay wedding later. I'm here for this. Uh, So Kevin is just like, no. And he gets up. She's like, Cheryl, please put out of our lives forever. (laughs) Which, yes, please, everyone. Cheryl's oops face at the end is
1: quite good.
0: I'm so here for this. Just the. (gasps) So we cut on over to Pops. And Jackhead is bringing out this platter for Betty. And he's like, are you having a party? And you didn't invite me? (laughs) Betty tells him everything that's going on with Polly. And I do want to point out. Betty has her ponytail back. She does. It's not the full-fledged, like, middle-of-the-head iconic ponytail, but it is a full ponytail instead of, like, the half hair up, and it's not at the very base of her skull, but it is a ponytail. Like, we're kind of, like, there's, like, a middle ground. She's also given up, like, serpent vibes and shit. It's just so that she's wearing a leather jacket. I know, it's but she, it but it is there. It's not Serpent Buddy. It's just a leather jacket, which, you know, whatever. She's allowed to wear. She can't be wearing her FBI jacket all the fucking time. Well, she needs to fucking take it off. She's well, she like, has to take it
1: off after the decision she's about to make.
0: She's in super big trouble. So he's tells her he's really, he's sorry about it, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, hey, I know somebody who lives off the lonely highway. He might know something about what's been going on. With those girls or something. So he's telling her about Dreyfus. He's like, I could take you to see him. And Betty's like, yeah. She lights up. It's it's something to hope for. It's a lead.
1: It's a lead. And and again, she's like, I may have no hope for Polly, but I have hope of figuring out who the fuck
0: did this. What the fuck's going on? So we go over to football practice and Britta is still annoyed. And Archie is just like, come on, we're going to play. Play for each other in the love of the game. Barf. Some epic highs and lows of high school football.
1: That's this whole scene. Yeah. That's this whole fucking
0: scene. And, you know, then Veronica brings out a New York Goliath T dub. Which,
1: first of all, this is not, this is a Canadian football star. Yep. And actor. Yep. The only way it's actually kind of interesting is that we saw T dub in our epi- first episode of the new season.
0: Yeah. He was like, he bought some jewelry from Veronica, which is fine. Got but, helped out
1: with his portfolio. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's totally epic highs lows those high school
0: football. Yeah. And so he just goes, kind of "Is like, you know, hey, I started my career at a little town like Riverdale, blah, blah, blah. They throw the ball. And when this happens, you know, Archie laments that, you know, I still don't have enough players because I have to have 11. I only have 10. And she says, well, I don't think that's going to be a problem. And they turn around and a bunch of kids have started filling the stands because they want to play football. Cool. Great. Good job. We come over to Hiram's office, and he's throwing hissy fit at Reggie. More people are getting interested in the Bulldogs, so we need to target their weakest link and knock some heads. And Reggie's like, um, we can beat them on the field, fair and square. I'm not going to break some kids' legs for no reason. Thank you, Reggie. Well, here's the thing. Here's what I love about that. Clearly, I've talked about this before. Yeah. So Reggie knew exactly what Hiram meant. And there's a line for Reggie. Reggie's done some shady shit and he does shady shit all the time. But there's a line for him. Uh Uh-huh. Like, again, this, like, you know, I've been talking about how, like, we've gotten some glimpses of Reggie's still in there. Like, the Reggie we like who stuck up for his friend Kevin and, like, that's his bro Archie. He's still in there. Like, yeah. Okay. He's not going to break a kid's legs. For a stupid vendetta, for for Hiram fucking Lodge, he's not he's not going to do that. So Hiram says, "Consider yourself benched," and Reggie says, "Okay, but I'll be standing with the Bulldogs then." Okay, Reggie. Okay, which sure enough he does later. We head on over to the Dreyfus property, and oh man, so Jughead did not tell her anything about this man. No, and
1: because he thought maybe he
0: would have actual information. Well, there's that, but again. Jughead is keeping the alien thing away from everyone. Yeah. Which I do understand because you hear aliens and you think these people are crazy. But Betty tells him about the payphone and Dreyfus instantly knows what's happening. And he explains that, oh, well, the Mothman use antimatter fusion reactors and it's a gravity field and it causes them to levitate. High powered magnets. Uh Uh-huh. That's what I'm calling it. And he's listening to radio chatter. Just like Jughead was. And Betty just gives this look at Jughead like, what the fuck is this man saying to me? My, my favorite part is Jughead with his palm on his face. <laughs> palm like, to his face oh, like, God oh, God damn okay, he went too far. I
1: thought, I thought he was just going to talk about seeing kids in the woods. Oh, fuck.
0: Yeah. And so... They continue chatting a little bit, and then they they leave. And Betty is so mad at him. And Jack is like, "Hey, things happen in Riverdale all the time that you and I cannot explain." Mulder and Scully. Yep, there's there you know phenomenon. And Betty's like, "This is not a phenomenon, and I'll be damned if I let it happen to someone else." Which is great. I'm into it.
1: If Bughead hooks up again, please let it be a Scully and Mulder bit please i'm fine with that that would be so much fun Um,
0: i'm okay like again i'm okay if there's a a a random hookup between the two of them but it's gonna well that's what's gonna complicate the jughead tabitha relationship because those are totally hooking up yeah
1: but also please give me a line where Mm -hmm. um betty says i want to believe jughead
0: yeah yeah i'm okay with that (laughs) we also need it the truth is out there someone's gonna say it
1: jughead says that to betty
0: someone's going to say that in terms of, and it's going to be in reference to the swamp. Yeah. That's I guarantee you. Please, God, please. please, God, please, God, I'll be so happy. So we cut to Betty getting home and she slams her bedroom door. And then she looks at this photo of her and Betty that is very poorly Photoshopped. <laughs> um and then we get this voiceover of her arguing with Polly. And then she loads her gun and she makes like dark Betty type faces in the mirror. She's
1: ready to get some venge.
0: Uh, then we have steam room violence. Against Kevin. I
1: don't want to talk about it.
0: I don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, we don't like it. And they there's no excuse for uh, Riverdale and the CW for not issuing a content warning.
1: Fuck you, Riverdale.
0: So, fuck them. We cut to the truck yard and Betty is just waiting for girls to enter trucks. And then she goes to the truck and she tells the girl to get out of here. I'm saving your life. And then she basically punches one of the first guys. is like, you're leaving these girls alone and you're never coming back here. And she smashes the guy's head against the driving. The, she smashes the guy's head against the steering wheel. It says, tell your dirtbag friends the party's over. I'm saving your life
1: whether you want it, it or not. not. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Betty.
0: So then we cut back to Kevin and Tom. Kevin oh. Kevin's face is kind of beat up, and Tom hands him some ice for his face. And Tom just says, "You're a grown man. Um, but as your father, I'm terrified for you, uh-huh, which I love. I love that. I, like that's a perfect. Like you're an adult, but you're my son. I'm your father. I like i'm I'm worried about you. It's perfect. It's like, what's going on, son?" And Kevin says, "I think I'm ashamed of myself as a gay man." Tom's like, what is it? Something I did? What what have I done? What did I do wrong? Huh? Again, makes total sense. Which lovely callback to season one. First time we meet Tom Keller. First time we meet Kevin. We just assume, oh, Daddy's a sheriff. Daddy doesn't know you're gay. Isn't there a nice gay kid you can go to, <laughs> go to the dance with? Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> Again, perfect, perfect moment. And Kem says, no, you've always been accepting of me. You've always been loving but mom and dad doesn't know anything about this. He goes, what, what, what happened? What happened? And we, we hear this story about this time when they went shopping, um, some back to school shopping. She made a comment about having to buy him Husky clothes. And when they got home, he said he was going to Betty's and he went to the woods. He went to Fox forest and he didn't know it was a cruising spot. And he ran to this guy. And he told him he was cute. And, uh, Everything from that day just washed away. And he says, ever since then, I've been cruising. I've been hardwired this way. And Kevin starts crying. And Tom hugs him. And it is just, ugh, so sweet. Like, I hate the way we got to this scene. But I love the explanation of why Kevin's doing what he's doing. Of why he feels shame. Which makes total sense. And, Oh, it, and just like the father-son moment. And also it's a lovely callback to that scene that we also love. Like there are things we don't talk about because you're gay and that has to stop. Like I love this. Oh, this is exactly what I was hoping for in terms of like father-son, <laughs> like not the, not the violence, but the the father-son relationship moment. I was just like, oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> it's so sweet. So perfect. <laughs> Thank you to Keller, for bringing the uh, Fred Andrews energy to this this scene.
1: There's uh there's things about toxic shame that I know I've I've struggled with before and this hit so so close in a really good way. Yeah. Of how how important it is to just have someone to listen to you to sure. say it so that you can move past it.
0: Mhm. Well, and I just I I just love how it was the we, whole scene was amazing. It was it was great. It gave us some context to Kevin and I don't think it was a flippant thing either. It makes total sense and I just
1: regardless of the escalation at some point he had to talk to somebody and sure. if it wasn't going to be fangs it needs to be his dad
0: <laughs> well i just it could it could have been betty it just needed to be someone that he trusted yeah and so like i again i do love this is a beautiful progression of the scenes we've had with tom keller and kevin yeah that right. is um a parent child relationship that's been done very well <sighs>
1: So now let's get fucking weird.
0: Let's get weird. After, this, after the, the suite, Betty uh, is still stalking girls <laughs> at the truck yard. Um, but this time it's John, the previous guy that she arrested in the truckyard.
1: John, the previous John.
0: The previous John. Uh, and he's like, uh, you can't arrest me again. You let me go. And she goes, I'm not arresting you, but you're coming with me. And she bashes his head and drags him out of the truck. Just like, Jesus, fuck, Betty. Holy fuck. So then Jughead gets a phone call and it's Waldo asking where Lerman is and if he's with him. And Jughead's like, I'm staying very far away from him.
1: God bless Jughead. It's like, no,
0: no. And so we find out that Lerman is missing and Jughead said, okay, let me call for some backup.
1: You know, someone who can help.
0: Someone who can help, which of course is going to be Betty. Yeah. Well, of course.
1: Law enforcement agent. Not the worst idea.
0: So let me cut to Betty, who has tied John to a tree. Oh, boy. And she has a gun
1: because
0: uh-huh. she has fucking lost it. Yeah. And he's crying and it's like, I'm I'm not a bad guy. And she's like, you're preying on these girls. And he's like, I have a family. I had a sister.
1: Oh, that line is so good.
0: Well, it's good, but it should have been, so does she. Because <laughs> she does have a family. <laughs> But it's just like no one looked out for these girls. No one looked out for them. I didn't look out for them. I couldn't I couldn't protect Polly, but I can deliver justice. So she raises her gun to his face and then her phone rings. <laughs> Cause of course it does. And it's Jughead. He's like, Hey, uh Lerman's missing. He's 14. We think he's on the lonely highway. Um, I'm on my way. And she's like, I'm on the lonely highway. <laughs> I'm 10 miles north of town. He goes, I'll meet you there. Blah, blah. She
1: picks up the phone and she is clearly like halfway between murderous rage and anxiety attack. Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> And he's freaking out, obviously. But it's just that is one of the most tense
0: comic Ooh. moments. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. It's... So she starts to go. She's like, I'll send someone for you tomorrow if I remember.
1: Oh, uh, wow. Okay, Betty.
0: And We go to the football game. Derek, football, football. Derek is the captain of the Stallions. Pops has a food truck now, which is cool. Britta's
1: the captain of the Bulldogs. Yeah,
0: so that's I love ha- it. So that's happening. And uh, I like
1: Derek and Britta coming together midfield.
0: Like that's cool. They come to like they they've got to do the coin toss, but they knuckles, so it's cool. Like yeah. they don't like make mean faces at each other. Just like all right, we're gonna play this game. Yep, which is cool. I'm good. I'm here for that. Uh, then we cut over to Betty having found Lerman. Uh, Jughead meets her on the shoulder with his bike, and but like, "I found him on the shoulder in a daze." And Lerman's like, "Did it happen again?" What? So then we cut to Waldo's office, and it's with the Lermans. Oh my god! <laughs> like, and this is where we find out that Lerman is a sleepwalker. Okay. And so he had started hurting himself, so we locked him in his bedroom door, but then we gave him. The whole basement to himself, and all we ever tried to do was keep him safe. And Jughead's like, "So y'all are the ones who locked him? Yep, y'all are the ones who were y'all are the ones in the story." And it was like it it was everything was fine until he was gone for a week. You know, we we woke up and he was the front door was open.
1: Jughead and Buddy look at each other like. Buddy's like huh?
0: he, he was gone for a week. Yeah, he was wandering the lonely highway. <laughs> um, it's like you know we we thought your questions might trigger something like this happening. And it's just like, this, none of this makes sense. No,
1: no. I think this might be a setup. It's entirely possible.
0: Yeah. So then we cut to Pops and Betty and Jag are in a booth chatting like they have many times before. And they're like, this is not a, co- like, this can't be a coincidence. Yeah. And Betty tells him about how when Polly previously called, her mom said it sounded like a spaceship. And Jag is like, really? <laughs> it's like, but why would they still keep Polly Would they let Lerman go? And, you know, what about that missing week? It's like, okay, well, we've got to follow every lead and see what he remembers. And, you know, my notes, I just wrote, they have a case now. Got yep. a case.
1: It's bughead time. It's bughead time.
0: <sighs> we come back to football and Cheryl decides to sing really badly. Uh, uh,
1: this, this whole sequence.
0: Uh, the kids play football.
1: Epic highs and lows. Epic
0: highs and lows. Bad
1: cheerleading. Archie gets the sappiest speech I've ever heard. <laughs>
0: It's, uh, yeah, this pep talk before before their final play. You know, the people in the stands are here for you. We're here for you. If you don't give up on yourself, you can never lose. Which is just like, okay, this feels.
1: It's epic, guys, in Loza High School football. <laughs> it's
0: trying so hard to be Friday Night Lights, <laughs> failing miserably. <laughs> Reggie's in the stands cheering for the Bulldogs, which is nice to see. He's cute. He's with Tabitha and Veronica. This was actually filmed really well. I thought it was so cute seeing Archie run alongside Britta. Like he's running alongside the yard line. It's it's very cute as they're running. She's like go, go! <laughs> It was it was really cute.
1: That's how you coach.
0: Um, they score. Um, Hiram smashes his clipboard. The Bulldogs celebrate. It's raining and they lose fifty-two to seven. Yeah, and who cares? You know, at the end, Veronica comes up and congratulates Archie, and she tells him about the side wager with Hiram, and then Derek comes by and says, "Hey, that was a good game." and uh, archie says yeah you played great and i just i love again i lo- i love that sp- that good sportsmanship that like archie's like you keep playing like you're playing you're gonna go really far and derek's like yeah just like you taught me
1: and then he walks away and archie looks in the desk and it's
0: like oh archie taught a kid well yeah but like that's how it should be yes also if you want more vibes like this i just have to insert here please go watch ted lasso If you want good coach vibes, go watch Ted Lasso on Apple TV. It is so worth it. Even if you don't like soccer, it will make you like soccer. (laughs) Spoken from someone who does not care. (laughs) Then we cut to the next day. (sighs) We're back in Waldo's office. And Lerman is gone. The Logans have left Riverdale. They left a message for Waldo, but no forwarding address. Guess they wanted a fresh start. To which Jughead says, don't we all?
1: I do love his entrance. Well, this is. It's starting to become a regular thing oh huh, Waldo mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't hate it I like the idea of Jughead constantly having to go to the principal's office like
0: even as an adult teacher he keeps getting sent to the principal's office even
1: though he didn't really do a whole lot wrong mm-hmm. he used some bad phrasing some bad he some... overstepped a boundary he needs some finesse yeah
0: some finesse but it's his first year give him a break sure. Uh, Then we cut over to the Cooper house. Betty has come home. And Alice is very upset. Mom, what's what's wrong? How could you, Betty? And Glenn is there, giving us some very Charles vibes. He's like, you lied to me about Polly.
1: Elizabeth.
0: Elizabeth. And Glenn is there. And he will be taking over the case to make sure that everything is done by the book. And he says that very pointedly at Betty. And Betty's just like, no, you can't do this. This is my case. I'm working this case. This is my sister's case. And he's just like, nope. And Betty's just furious. Riverdale. I'm telling you, he is the killer. No. God damn it, why not, though? It's not interesting if he's the killer.
1: Has this show ever done that?
0: Yes. Uh, Here's... (laughs) So my thinking on that is... He knows what's going on in the swamp area, like w- what the River- Riverdale Vibranium is. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it, Whatever the secret min- mineral crap is. I'm calling it Riverdale Vibranium.
1: That clearly has highly magnetic properties.
0: Sure. So my guess is in his role in the FBI, he has been briefed in some way about making sure that no investigation gets too close to it. Yeah. So he has that information. I don't think he's TBK. I think that's so boring. I think he will be killed by TBK. (laughs) I hope he's killed by TBK. Or maybe um, some things I know about the next time on, which we'll talk about on the next time on.
1: Well, then let's go do that.
0: Let's go do that. Next week is chapter 86, The Pincushion Man, which is also going to be the mid-season finale. And the synopsis is Parent Teacher Night. While preparing for the school's parent teacher night, Archie is caught off guard when his former army general shows up in Riverdale with some unexpected news. Cheryl pushes back after hearing that Hiram and Reggie have expressed interest in taking over the blossom maple groves. Jughead's unconventional way to get through a case of writer's block causes Tabitha to be concerned for his safety. Finally, Betty and Alice Receive some unexpected visitors <laughs> uh so that's chick and charles yes we've known for a fact for a while that those two actors were coming back that they were quarantining in california so they're coming that's going to be them
1: how much do you <laughs> want to bet that the jughead bit there is the stephen king drinking a six-pack and writing book
0: it's gonna be ben. it's gonna be drinking to excess.
1: Yeah, he's gonna
0: binge drink and just type
1: and hammer away on his on his typewriter.
0: Yeah, it's it's gonna be something to that effect. Or I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there's some jingle jangle in there. Oh
1: jughead. Because
0: we know he's done some of that before. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to decide. Um, I could see some unexpected news from Archie's general could be that maybe Jackson is act technically AWOL.
1: Uh
0: oh. Um. so that could be unfortunate I'm trying to think what else Cheryl we the thing with Cheryl and the maple groves we've already established that Hiram was at her house every week about the maple groves and you know that's where Nana Blossom found a mothman body so it stands to reason that there's some Riverdale vibranium there
1: also there's just so much drama in that trailer <laughs> there's
0: so much drama oh and you know Jabatha for sure is gonna happen so yeah so we'll see it's gonna be interesting it's titled the pincushion man and then there's what appears to be someone crouching in a tube that's the bunker i feel like that's chick because hart denton has long hair right now so i'm like i feel like that's chick
1: Mm, but chick as a mothman Hmm. because we see a mothman type figure in a tunnel oh near the bunker
0: maybe because chick chick having been in the fbi might know about the mothman you mean charles charles yes charles charles and chick it's hard not to get them confused <laughs> you know what i mean that would be fair
1: huh? and it also could just be a junkhead vision because he's like true. way too whacked out of his mind on jingle jangle
0: true mm. i let's just put this way. i hope it's really good because it's gotta sustain us for three months
1: three fucking
0: months three months
1: that's a long hiatus
0: yeah, but I can't blame them. It's been a weird year. Hang on the cliff. Yep. Well, it'll, it'll be interesting to say the least. So until next time. Hashtag Bulldogs, Bulldogs forever. forever. For listening be sure to review and rate us on itunes stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast for questions comments and recommendations you can email us at mod at gmail.com or find us on twitter instagram and facebook